0: Hey there, thanks for joining us. This podcast is put out into the world by Living Water Community Church located in Ypsilanti, Michigan. I'm Pastor Clark Cawthorn. If you'd like to know more about Living Water or if you'd like to drop us a note or if you've got a question or if you'd like to have us pray for you, head on over to lw-cc.org. Now let's join today's podcast in progress. we are looking today at a passage in Ephesians. We're going to jump off from that, but basically I'm going to give you a rundown for how we're going to approach this message today. Rather than being a specific passage that's 12 or 15 verses and we're exegeting all of that, we're going to look at this as our jumping off place, but we're going to look at several things specifically from Proverbs, find some wisdom, and we're going to give you four truths that are all scriptural. And then we're going to give you three things from Scripture that show us how, as we develop, we can continue to learn how to honor our parents, and particularly our moms. We're also going to just uh, spend a few moments talking about what can we do if, in fact, we have found some pain in our past caused by a mom. How do we deal with that? Because that's a very real issue for all of us, and we're going to be learning very shortly that not all moms are absolutely perfect. Ephesians 6, 2 through 3 says this. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you, and you will have a long life on the earth. This is a quote from the Old Testament, from the commandments. This is Paul speaking to the people in Ephesus, and he says, hey, this is an important commandment. You should pay attention to this. And it's a commandment with a promise. So what is that promise? Things will go well for you. You'll have a longer life, generally speaking. This is not an absolute promise because clearly there's sin in the world. So if a drunk driver crosses a sinner line and kills somebody prematurely, even though they might have honored their father and mother, God's not going to continue to protect you from other people's sin. So that's part of living in the fallen world, unfortunately. But for the most part, you can look around and just anecdotally you could probably point to families who have been very good at honoring their mother and father, and things do tend to go well for them, and you'll see why that's so important in just a couple of minutes, too. First of all, truth number one, I gave you a spoiler alert, those of you who check out the Facebook page early in the morning. Uh, I said, today we're going to talk about honoring parents on Mother's Day, even if some of them are flawed, and then I gave you a spoiler alert, and what was that spoiler alert? Everybody's flawed. Everybody's <laughs> flawed. So that puts us all in the same category, kind of levels the playing field. Every parent is flawed. When we honor our parents, we honor the position of a parent, even when we disagree with the character of a parent. This is something that I think God allows us to learn early on, and hopefully as we mature, especially spiritually, in our spiritual maturity. Sometimes you need to honor the position of authority even though you have a very hard time with the character of the person who is in that seat of authority. That can still even be true with parents. So when did you first learn that your parents didn't know everything? (laughs) I used to think that they could hang the moon and that any question that I had, they had the answer to. Sometimes the answer was later. (laughs) Sometimes it was no. But usually they had a really good erudite answer for my big questions. And then it was probably somewhere around fourth or fifth grade when I learned something new, and it was a fact that my father did not know. And I came home and laid that fact on him, and I was shocked that he did not know this specific fact. And my world just about crumbled around me. And then I started to figure out from there until about age 19, where I knew everything. that there were a lot of things that my parents didn't know and that we even disagreed about some things and we had to learn how to sort of navigate those disagreements, hopefully in a way that would still allow me to live in their home. (laughs) And we actually learned to appreciate one another and then beyond age 19, they started getting smarter and smarter and smarter. (laughs) So there's an awful lot that I didn't know and I'm learning to trust that the things that my parents did know were important, and they set me on the path to learning so that I could be a lifelong learner, and that was even more important than knowing everything. Truth number two, besides the fact that all parents are flawed, I wouldn't be here without my parents. I'd like to thank my mother and father for my being here today. Uh, I wouldn't have you stand up just now, but I could. I could say all of you who had a mother and father involved in parenting you so that you're alive today, would you please stand? I, you know, that's one way to get everybody in the room to stand up, because it's 100%. All of us had to have a couple of people involved, usually in, unless you're in vitro, in which case there's still different things happening there that it's necessary to have both the man and the woman. I wouldn't be here without my parents, and so I'm grateful for that. That's one thing that even if you had a very difficult relationship with your mom and dad, you can still thank God that they allowed you to be here alive on this earth. Third, I wouldn't be me without my parents. Not only would I not be here, but I would not be me. God used the DNA of two individuals so that you are absolutely unique on this planet. There is nobody exactly like you on the earth. And God knew that. In fact, we talked about that recently. You, God, made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. You saw me before I was born. What an amazing thing to know that God, who knows everything, knows even those intimate details, and that He watched every one of those things as you were being knit together that way. We saw something about that as we were praying for this event, which took place on the same day that we were having our 21st anniversary celebration, Fiesta. This was in the middle of Times Square, New York City, Saturday, and they were doing something that was a real celebration of life, and I love the compassion which they poured out on the city of New York and all those that were watching from around the world, they had several different speeches and some people who gave their testimonies, and then it culminated in a live 4D ultrasound of a human being inside the womb. And even those detractors, people who were standing outside shouting and trying to be uh, angry and volatile and to outshout the other people who were speaking, they watched this precious face Perfectly formed, staring out from this jumbotron to all the people passing by. And an observer said that it got deathly still and so quiet you could have heard a pin drop. In one of the busiest intersections in the world. Why was that? Because they were witnessing the miracle of what happens when God knits human beings together in the womb. And then the president of Focus on the Family, John Daly, offered a wonderful prayer, and he even prayed for those people who had been opposing them. He said, God, everybody here wants your blessings, and they need your blessings. And I pray that people will be drawn to you so that they can see that you're the author of all life. And that's why all life matters, because all life matters to you. And people listened. Many didn't respond, but many did. And many people finally got to see, oh, maybe they're not quite so hate-filled after all. Because there's a misnomer that just because you disagree with me on my opinion, you must hate me. And he clearly displayed Christ-like love to the people, even the detractors that were there. All life matters. God knows us before we were born. And because of that, there are no accidental babies. Only accidental parents. (laughs) You may have heard somebody say, now I know that this happened in, in a retreat one time in Arizona... I'd mentioned this years ago, my mentor, pastor, and friend, Gary Young, was preaching, and he had said something like this in his message that day, and a woman who was, I think, probably in her early 70s came up to him in the break, and she said, Pastor, that really moved me. She was in tears. She said, I have always been thinking my whole life, because of what my parents said, that I was an accident. And for you to say that, to think I'm not an accident, God knew me even before I was born, That really spoke to me because I recognize that he cares about me even though my parents may have said some things that were quite hurtful. So that's really good for all of us to know. We are no accident, not to God. Truth number four, every child is important to God, every child. I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago as we were talking about how precious life is to everybody. And I read a story, and then I went to YouTube because I found out from somebody else that there is a testimony given by this person, and this person was sharing this true story about his own mother, said that when I was young, my mother developed some pain in the lower right side of her abdomen, and it got really acute, and she started to feel like her abdomen was getting warm. She had all the symptoms of appendicitis, so she went to the doctor And in the country that I grew up in, they didn't have real sophisticated medical treatment at that time. Turned out that it was indeed an attack of appendicitis. But one of the things that they did, among a couple of things that are probably doubtful if they were the right thing to do, was that they packed her stomach on the outside with ice, trying to bring down uh, some of that temperature. And then, after doing a careful examination, not only of the mother, but also of the child, they said to this woman, We feel that it would be in your best interest for you to terminate this pregnancy. She said, why is that? They said, because we think there's a very strong probability that your child is going to come, if if he makes it out alive, is going to have some disabilities, and they'll be very challenging. And she says, oh, no, I'm not going to do that. She said, he's a precious child, and we'll face whatever disabilities might be there, regardless of what they are, and we'll take that as they come. And so this child grew up and he told this story and perhaps you will identify the voice and eventually the face and see who I'm talking about. Can you imagine the world without Andrea Uccelli? Wow. Wow. And he shares that story to say, I I want to encourage all of you out there that all life matters. Not everyone can be a mom. I have known some people who tried desperately to become a parent, they just couldn't. We know one family in Arizona where I was uh, in high school at the time. My father was helping plant a new church. We met them through that church family. And uh, the woman in that family just couldn't get pregnant. And she'd had several miscarriages. It It was kind of a struggle, and she was kind of depressed about it, quite frankly. And then they decided to adopt. And wouldn't you know it, and so that as soon as they adopted and the adoption papers went through, she got pregnant. So they got two, just bang, bang, just like that. And it's wonderful when that happens, but sometimes it doesn't. And yet there are other people who know that they would like to be a mom, and yet God places children under their care. My sister was a parent to two boys, but she also had about 25 little kids that became under her tutelage because she was a teacher of preschool. God bless you teachers out there. You are special individuals, and you have a particular calling that I can't imagine doing what you do day in and day out. But you have a unique opportunity to put your fingerprint and character qualities into young children's lives, and I am so grateful that we have people like you. So not everybody can be a mom, but we can all honor our moms. This is why I would ask again, all of you who had a mom, raise your hand, and we'd have 100% participation. Now, let me look at this. As we grow, this is some of those developmental stages of mat- maturity that we see in the Bible. We learn to obey our parents. We learn to respect them, and then we learn to appreciate them. I'm going to tackle each of these three. First of all, as a child, when we're young... I honor my mother and father by simply obeying them. There's something important about learning to obey authority, and our parents become that initial first line of defense in teaching us how to obey authority. Ephesians tells us that, children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord. For this is the right thing to do because God has placed them in authority over you. There are three different areas that the Bible teaches us that We have authority in our lives. One is a government, because uh, it's trying to help establish some order out of chaos so that we don't have anarchy. And you'll be the first to admit, too, that all governments are flawed, just like all parents are flawed. Why is that? Because there are sinful human beings in authority in governments, and so no government is perfect. Only God is perfect. However, any of us who have traveled outside the U.S., especially if we've gone to countries where governments are a little bit in shambles, We will be the first to admit that as imperfect as our government is, governments are important. I would hope we can agree to that. So we learn to honor the authorities that God allows in place over us, even when we can disagree with some of the character qualities of the people who inhabit those seats of authority. Then we have church authority. God's given us gifts, as the Apostle Paul has told us, to help give authority and spiritual learning to all of us as we grow in maturity in our walk with the Lord. And then, of course, we have our family. And that's the the inner circle, the inner sanctum of spiritual growth. And so those authority figures in your lives are so valuable. We all need to respect the position, even when we don't appreciate the person who represents that authority. I learned a lot from watching my dad go through a couple of difficult jobs because he was working for people who were just very difficult bosses. And I could tell he was trying not to complain about his job. He would try to leave that stuff at the door when he came home. But I would overhear a couple of conversations. And I knew in one season of his life for about two years, he was struggling. Because this guy was just a difficult human being. (laughs) A lot of other words I could have used to describe him. I'm trying to be kind here. And it's tough when you're working for people who just make it tough to want to follow their authority. But he saw that other people, things didn't go so well for them because A... They started talking behind the boss's back to other co-workers and that started kind of a ripple effect and there was a toxic environment being established in that office at that time. And then once in a while, that person would either mouth off to the boss or they would say something they really regretted and a couple of those people just didn't last and they went off to some other job. Dad said, I'm going to come home, and I'm going to pray, I'm going to ask God for grace and forgiveness and I'm going to pray that he's going to give me the opportunity to show grace even when my boss is not being gracious to me, and I'm going to try to outlast whatever he throws at me, and I'm going to try to show him Christ in my daily life. And he did. And eventually, the company moved that guy to some other state, and the guy who came in there was a believer, and my dad said, I never had it so good, because I felt like I was working for somebody who shared a lot of the same values that I did. He lasted Things went well for him. Why? Because that commandment with a promise also goes out here and not just in our family with mothers and fathers. He respected authority even though he had a hard time with the person who represented that authority. As we start to grow and mature beyond the point of just obeying our parents, and then as a teenager, I honor my parents by respecting them. There's something beyond obedience that suddenly it starts to transition into respect And that's where you start to actually develop a little bit of the time when you can sort of be, instead of parent to child, you start getting closer and closer to becoming peer to peer. You can be an adult to adult, and you can relate to one another with great conversations that have depth to them, and you enjoy talking to your parents because you respect them. Now, how do you respect them? There's a couple of ways. Hebrews 12.9 says this, We respect our own parents for training and not spoiling us. There was a time about my sophomore year in college when I recognized, oh, my parents did me a favor by not spoiling me (laughs) because they expected me to get my work done. I'm getting all my homework finished, and I'm getting a good grade, and I'm watching some of my classmates, and they're really struggling because they just didn't have to do a whole lot, and they're just kind of blowing it off, and some of those people didn't actually even survive their first or second years of college. So we respect our parents for training and not spoiling us. We show respect in these ways. There are three ways, but I'm going to tackle the first two because they're kind of two sides of the same coin, and then I'll tackle that third one. We look for their successes, but we forgive their failures. So let's look at those two before we learn how important listening to them is. Here's an example. These are broad brushstroke examples, but I think you'll be able to identify with them somewhat. Here's a parent. Let's say that they're really strong on love, but they're kind of short on discipline. They're really high on the empathy scale, They know how to feel deeply with somebody else, and they're constantly pouring their love into somebody. Now, when you've gotten your feelings hurt, you want this kind of mom in your life. They are your strong tower, your mighty fortress, the compassionate wing of the bird that you can climb under for shelter. And you want that, and that's good. But when your older brother grabs the toy out of your hand and beans you over the head with it, you want discipline. You need her to protect you, but you want her to discipline that knucklehead brother of yours. And it doesn't feel very good for you if she's going, oh, it's okay, honey, don't do that again. And you're going, wait, what, that's it? Don't do that again? He needs time out. He needs spanking. He needs to be thrown in prison for five years. You know, there's certain feelings that we feel because we have a parent that doesn't go quite far enough in one area. So if you have a parent that goes over the edge on love but not enough in discipline you might have felt slighted from time to time and wished that your parent was much more disciplinarian than they have been. Example number two, I met a guy that we had a talk about his mom. Uh, He said that my mom was very creative. Uh, She was a painter, and she had a lot of creative endeavors in her life. She was very right-brained, which means that she was given to whimsy And uh, she was impulsive. She would operate by her feelings. And if something looked like that would feel good, boom, she's off doing that. So routine did not set well with her. She had a hard time establishing routine in her household, which means she would be in the other room painting because she would be on a painting high. And her son would get home from school. There would be no food. And he would say, well, what do we got? Let's see, we could make a banana and salsa sandwich. (laughs) That's about all we've got in the pantry. You just learn to deal with it because this person is so highly creative that she's not really very trustworthy in doing the routine matters. So sometimes he said, I had to learn to thank God for those things in my mom that she passed along to me because I did recognize as I got older, I am very creative, but I also wanted to forgive the things that I was so angry with her about and say, okay, I didn't starve to death even though I was eating bananas and salsa. I was... Healthy enough to live through that period of my life. And so I'm going to forgive that in my mom. And I'm going to thank God for the parts of her that she passed along to me. That's a part of learning to respect parents. And then there's the left. Let's flip that one around a little bit. The left-brained parent versus the right-brained. I kind of had this a little bit in my own family with my father, who was, bum, 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 an engineer. Can I have an Amen. All right. Sometimes... Some of these engineers are going, Pastor, you've gone to meddling now. (laughs) Some of the engineers think very logically. They're rather linear. They like to see things mapped out. They want a logical progression to a solution. Whereas the right-brained creative parts that I've just described in that mom of my friend are kind of spaghetti-brained. It's all connected, but it's connected through three miles of spaghetti. (laughs) They'll get there eventually, but you have to wade through 73 subcategories before you finally get to that solution and so that's very frustrating for the engineer if you had an engineer parent for example they were very logical and if you were the creative one you might have felt that that parent was alive only to squelch your creativity (laughs) that was their role in life squelch my creativity and yet as you get older as you learn to respect those parents what you do is you say God thank you Thank you for giving me a parent that taught me how to think a little bit with my left side of my brain. Otherwise, I would be so scatterbrained, I would forget to eat even banana and salsa. (laughs) And I would starve to death. And so I needed that part of my brain. And so thank you for that parent, even though we were very different. I'm grateful for my engineer father. And I think I've learned to be more well-balanced because in my specific case, my mom was more creative. My dad was more logical. Another way to show respect, this is that letter C that I was talking about, and this one I had a hard time categorizing it because I think it also could fit under one of the things that we're learning as we become adults, and so it fits both. You can listen carefully both as a teenager and as you're growing to respect your parents, and you can listen well into adulthood because I'm learning that now that my parents are gone off the face of the earth and they're in heaven, I wish like crazy that I would have made more time to sit and listen to them without interjecting my own opinion so that I could learn from them. I just came back from two days in Chicago helping my kids there paint their condo. We had some great conversations while we are rolling and cutting in. And I think my son is starting to realize that because he's pestering me with questions about life and about how to paint and about certain things. Don't you love it when you get to hang out with your kids and they're gleaning wisdom from you and they actually want that wisdom? I know you guys were in Colorado recently. You got to experience some of that. What a joy. And so I want to be able to listen to people because that's where we really start to pick up the wisdom they have to offer. And as we get older, we learn to show respect to our parents by listening to them. Even when we're tempted to overtalk them or to interrupt and put our point forward, sometimes we need to zip it and just listen a little bit longer because there really is some wisdom in there for us. Intelligent children, I love this from Proverbs, Intelligent children listen to their parents. Foolish children do their own thing. (laughs) Isn't that great? And how true is that? Oh, my goodness. I mean, that's just a pretty simple, basic word of wisdom, even in itself. Intelligent children listen to their parents. Foolish children do their own thing. They think, yeah, right, I'll take that under advisement. And they're off doing their own thing. And the next thing you know, they suffer because of it, because they haven't learned the wisdom from their parents. An example of this, a person I'm going to call Ashley, we knew her because her mom was suffering from a mental illness and just could not parent. She recognized that. She was a fellow nurse in training with my sister at the time. She would give her infant child to my sister to care for for weeks on end. Not officially, just gave her over to them. And Kathy, my sister, actually became more of a parent to that little girl than Ashley was. And Ashley finally realized it and said I am not the kind of parent this child needs. The safest thing and the best thing I can do for this child is to put my child up for adoption as much as it feels like I'm ripping out my heart to do it. That was a painful situation and it was painful for my my sister. She had developed such a strong attachment to this infant that she felt like she was giving up her own child to adoption too. Because in a sense she was fostering even though it wasn't through an agency. But The child grew up, had a lot of good nurturing influences, grew up in the church, was adopted by a Christian family, and eventually, even though she suffered from some of that trauma that comes from trying to figure out, why would my mom give me up like that? Didn't she love me? She finally got to a place where she could start saying, I'm going to forgive some of those things that I understand better now that I know her backstory, and I'm going to try to appreciate the things that my mom passed along to me, even if it's just through my DNA. And now I understand she was doing a loving thing for me and she didn't despise me. She wasn't neglecting me on purpose. She had a mental illness. She did the best thing for me that she knew how to do. So it was interesting for me to watch that character arc over a long period of years. I mean, this was like a 35-year process before Ashley was able to say, I'm going to forgive those things in my mom and I'm going to thank God for these things over here. That's how she was showing respect. And number three, another way that we can really honor our parents as we have grown into adulthood. We honor them by appreciating them. And here's how we can appreciate. When your mother is old, show her your appreciation. And this is something that I watched my parents do for their parents, and so it was easier for me to do for my parents. It's difficult if you have a strained relationship with a parent. And yet, the Bible is clear that we're still supposed to do this, and that's very difficult. An example, this is something that I learned to say diplomatically there are other ways I could have said this to my mom. Mom, as a cook, you try really hard. I'm proud of you for that. As a writer, you succeed. (laughs) Can you ascertain from that that my mom was not a very good cook? In fact, there were times I would come home and I would be off shooting baskets with my friends or doing an extracurricular musical activity and we'd have a long practice and I'd come, I'd be starved. And I just longed for that wonderful farm table mom who had the, the table laden with good home-cooked things, and the aroma would be dra- wafting throughout the house. <laughs> nope. That was not my household. I learned how to cook eggs every which way <laughs> because they were accessible. I learned, how to heat up, I learned how to heat up Campbell's soup like nobody's business. My mom finally figured out when I was in high school that she could grill about two dozen burgers on our grill and then freeze them in baggies So that when I got home, I could pop one out, throw it on a bun, stick it in the microwave for 25, 30 seconds. Bang, there's supper. And then there's always bananas and salsa. (laughs) (laughs) Mom, as a cook, you tried really hard. And by her own admission, she said that. You know, she was so creative and so busy, and she was a writer, so she would be in her study. I'd hear that good manual typewriter going clickety-clack, clickety-clack, clickety-clack. She'd be working like crazy, getting another article out or the Baptist Beacon, the Baptist State Paper in Arizona, or for one of our different publications in the denomination. But she would have lost track of time. And she'd go, oh, what time is it? Well, it's 7.30 in the evening, and I've already uh, eaten some bananas and salsa. Don't worry about me, Mom. I'm okay. Oh, okay. Clickety-clack, clickety-clack. That was who she was. So I had to, as a child, get over some of the resentment I had developed through high school. And instead of always going, I sure wish I had something besides bananas. I'm so tired of this, eggs and bananas. I finally got to the point where I said, Mom is such a productive person, and she's so creative, and she's harnessed both creativity and productivity together. That's a good role model. That really is. So so what if I miss a couple of bigger meals? That's okay. I haven't suffered greatly. Part of what we're learning to do in showing respect to them is just to appreciate them, and to show them your appreciation, including showing them that you appreciate the sacrifices that your mom made for you. Every mom has sacrificed for their kids. My mom used the envelope method in terms of accounting when we were growing up. She would have one envelope for each category. She'd have the groceries envelope. There would be cash that she would put in there. She didn't write checks very often when I was younger. She would have the shoes and school clothes for the kids envelope. She would have uh, other bills, this the uh, electricity bill, the gas bill, in one envelope, and then she would go up to the counter in these places and actually pay the bills like that and get the receipt. That was her simple accounting method because as a mathematician, she was a better writer. (laughs) (laughs) So for her, she figured out the way to do this without overspending was to just make it simple and put it in the envelopes. But she made sacrifices. I remember going downtown in Phoenix, this sweet little lady would set aside shoes in the sizes that my sister and I wore because she knew that my mom was frugal and she would set aside those shoes that were on sale just so that we could have decent shoes to wear for school. And she would make this stuff stretch. Ed Elsie would be proud of my mom. She was a couponer, and she could make those coupons stretch, buddy. I tell you what. So I loved that about my mom, and I learned to appreciate that about her even though when I was younger, I thought it was a little silly. Forty years after mom would set aside money in an envelope for shoes, my sister and I were helping my mom one day In Sun City, Arizona, we were helping her clean out her refrigerator. Buried deep within three rows of Tupperware leftovers. There was a little candle, a wax candle, in the shape of a little country church. I had bought that candle for her one Christmas. I had saved up a few extra little quarters by helping my next-door neighbor on his paper route, delivering papers, and I went to a little five-and-dime store, Kresge's, And I went there to buy my family each some little Christmas present that year. I was probably 10, 11 years old. And I knew exactly what I wanted to get for each person, how much it was going to cost. I figured out the tax because I was better at math than my mom was. And I bought this little wax candle for my mom. And she kept it all those years because she felt like it was a real sacrifice for me. She said, you could have spent that money on something else. You could have spent it on yourself. And yet you bought something for me that meant something to me. And that's special because it showed that you really appreciated the sacrifices I made for you. It's amazing how a little show of appreciation for your moms will last for a long time. Now, some have been hurt. This is the few minutes I want to spend just wrapping up with a couple of things. I know that in every household, there are a little bits of things that we don't like to talk about. And you don't have to bring them up, dredge them up all the time. But some of us have been hurt from time to time by one or both of our parents, sometimes by our moms. What happens when you do that? Well, first of all, you need to acknowledge the hurt. You need to deal with it. Because if we don't, we're going to act out on those things instead of talking it out. It's better to talk it out rather than to act it out. And we need to find trusted people that we can do that with. Don't do it on the Internet. Talk to somebody, this is inner circle, maybe even Christian counselor kind of stuff. Talk it out with somebody so you don't have to act it out. Second, release the grip you might have on bitterness that you've held for all these years. Even if they've been difficult for you, even if they've inflicted a lot of pain, you're going to have to let go of the bitterness that you've been holding on to because you're the one who gets hurt the worst by that bitterness. And so even if they never ask you for forgiveness, you need to forgive your parent for hurting you. And then honor your parents by being honest with them. We're not being uh, honoring if we're dishonest in our feelings for them if we just bury the feelings and act as if everything's okay. Which means that sometimes if your parent is still alive, you might have to have that difficult talk and say, Mom, I want us to be better at our relationship. I want to start over. And in order to do that, I have to be honest about some of the things that have really hurt me, and I'm not doing that to heap guilt on you. I'm just saying, this is how I felt, and I want to release that. And so I want to start over. Sometimes that happens, and sometimes it's successful. Many, many times, not very successful. Sometimes they're not open to a talk like that. They'll shut the door and walk away and say, I don't want to hear anything more about that. I understand that. But even without them, sometimes it's helpful to just write that conversation out just for yourself, even if you never mail it. I remember reading a book about Rich Mullins, that wonderful Christian singer. And he had been deeply hurt by one of his parents. And he went on a spiritual retreat. And the guy who was directing that retreat asked him to do just that. He said, go into your chalet tonight and write the letter to your father, even though his father had died at that point. Write the letter to your dad sharing what you wish you would have shared in person. And it was cathartic. And it was difficult. And he cried a lot. But he said it was a turning point in his own life because he finally talked it out so that he wasn't acting it out. And we need to have that talk, whether they're with us or not. If you have ever felt abandoned by your parents, maybe you were a person whose mom was neglectful and just didn't spend a lot of time with you, or maybe they gave you up for adoption or something like that. Here's this wonderful verse. This is just for you. Even if my father and mother abandon me, the Lord will hold me close. And he will be. He'll be the father to the fatherless. And all the character qualities that he imbues, even in good mothers, they all come from him. And so you can have that perfect parent who would just envelop you with his love. And that love was so sacrificial that he gave his only son to die on a cross in your place so that you could be reconciled with him and have life eternal with the God who loves you that much. I'd like for us to pray. And let me just guide you through a couple of different prayers. If you would bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment. Maybe you could silently pray a prayer like this. God, you knew me before anybody. I matter to you. Thank you for that. Thank you that you are my perfect parent. God, I realize that my earthly parents are not perfect. But none of us are perfect. Thank you that my mother brought me into the world. Thank you that she went through a lot just so I could be here. Thank you for the DNA that both my parents have passed along to me. Help me to start learning to appreciate those things that are strengths and forgiving the things that are not. Help me to learn how to let go of the bitterness or the resentment that I may have held all these years toward one or both of my parents. Thank you for helping me to appreciate the good qualities. Help me to do that more and more and more as I mature. May I focus on those things that I can be thankful for and spend more time on that so that I just don't have enough time to be thinking about those other things that cause resentment. And then keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. Let me pray this prayer for you right now. Lord, if there's anybody right now in this space listening who has felt abandoned by their parent or parents, I pray that you'll hold them close. I pray that through your Holy Spirit, you'll reach right in and give them a warm hug if that's what they need most. Remind them that you will never leave them nor forsake them. Help them to acknowledge their pain, to be honest and compassionate with a parent if peacemaking is possible. And I pray that you'll bring peace into the heart of this adult child who's listening just now. Thank you for being our perfect parent. Be their perfect parent as well. May they cling to you. Thank you, Father, that you helped us find freedom and forgiveness in Jesus Christ. And thank you for sending your only son to take our place on the cross. I can't imagine what pain you went through because of that. But it's because of his act of grace and mercy that makes it possible for me to come close to you, not because of performance pressure, because I can never do anything to pay you back. It's simply because of your grace for me so freely poured out. And so I just want to love you back. And I pray these things in the name and in the authority of Jesus Christ. Amen.